Except for days like this, when they're at work, she rides him bareback. Always. She trusts him that much. He nickered softly and she watched her reflections in the dark globes of his eyes. She smiled, and her reflection smiled. And she thought, there's joy in a horse, laughter in its movement, even at this point of exhaustion. She stood, stomping her legs until they were just shaky. Her grandfather had asked her only to check the new grasses before they passed her the cattle on these forest service leases, but she was concerned, as she has always been, not to disappoint him, not to waste his time with her carelessness. So she and Royal have weaved among the cows, where they found them collected in the timbered undergrowth, alert for signs of illness or accident. They've walked the fences where they could, and lastly, when the job was done, made this break for the toplands. She knelt in the soggy crest that bordered a seep, and bent to the water and drank. Then she peeled her shirt and bra over her head, splashing the water against her neck, shoulders, and breasts, finally sitting back on her heels to stare at a contrail that halved the sky above her. Her mother had asked, Are you still stringing that Indian boy along? They were seated across from each other in the new cafe in Ishua. Salads, meatless soups, herbal teas, a sandwich board on the sidewalk out front, its legs sandbagged against the wind. It's their habit to eat together once a week, as testimony that they truly are mother and daughter. Griff scooted forward on her chair, against the table's edge, I get really sick of you pretending to be a racist. Saying he's an Indian is just a fact. So is his name. Her mother cleared her throat. Are you still fucking Paul Woodenlegs? Louder this time, a woman turning at another table rearing back to stare through the bottom half of her bifocals. The blood rose in Griff's cheeks, her mother nodding conclusively the gesture women commit in church in lieu of speaking amen. When your dad and I were your age, Jean said, and smiled, unconsciously reaching inside the open throat of her blouse, straightening a bra strap. It meant something, then. I love him. She knew the statement was heard as excuse, and therefore feeble. Love must be different now. And there it was, just a hint of the sour, woody smell on her mother's breath, and Griff wondered when she'd taken her first bourbon this morning. Your dad and I never wanted to be apart, not for a single day. I'm not like you. She watched her mother's hands pick up a menu, holding it open. She hung her own weather-roughened hands out of sight, finding it impossible to admit that when she and Paul are making love, it's the grinding of their bones she hears, the clamor of one animal moving against another. Not always, but often enough to convince her that nothing remains unbroken forever. See the reason you're not going back to school? He won't even be here this fall. He's finishing graduate school in Chicago. In what? Jean held up her empty glass, trying to catch the waitress's attention. Didn't we already have this conversation? Tell me again. Public health?
Isn't that something? Her mother's eyes remained calm. Just think of the career opportunities he'll have for scrubbing bathrooms in some reservation casino. Yeah, Mom, I'm sure that's what he's shooting for. I remember that we talked about this now. She dabbed at her mouth with a napkin, though they hadn't yet ordered any food. She folded the white linen over the berry-colored smear of lip gloss, leaning forward on her elbows. You know, it's what dropouts always say, just this fall. She rested her chin on the heel of a hand. But it always turns out to be for the rest of their lives. She spent the afternoon wandering through an acre of chert and obsidian chippings, in places half a foot thick, imagining the ancients squatting.